Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. It goes on, it talks about the King of Glory, King of Glory. And I know this is a millennial kingdom passage doctrinally, but for tonight, we're opening up with the question, who's training your children? One, we need to look at who the children are of the Lord. They're the Lord's. Uh, it says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Uh, yes, there are children. <laughs> we I've been entrusted to raise them, but ultimately, they're really the Lord's. They're, they're, and, and we are training our children for the Lord because the Lord has blessed us and the Lord has entrusted us with our children. Um, and so we need to get that right from the offset. We're not doing this for any other reason other than we want to honor God and we want the Lord to be honored and that should be the focus of our child training they're the lords they're the lords psalm 127 except the lord build the house we all know these verses they labor in vain that build it and who's building who's building the thing I know these are simple truths, but we get so caught up in what we want to do and how we want to do it that we lose connection with the king of glory that we saw in Psalm 24. And except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I don't want to labor in vain. How are we going to labor in vain if the Lord's not in it? How do you know if the Lord's in it? Are you doing it for him? Or are your children trophies? I'm telling you, we live in a trophy society. And you can turn on the television, you can get onto the whole the whole Hollywood stuff, and you can get onto the onto the onto the face plant and the instasin and all that stuff. You can get on that. It, it's all everybody's a trophy. It's all for the glorification of man. Look at me, look at my family, look at my kids, look at what I look at what they did. You think the Lord cares about all that? I don't. I think he wants to know, are you living for me? Are you teaching them and training them about me and who I am? Or it's just going to be a vain, vain build. Uh, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. So he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo. Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Verse 3, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. That's not a bumper sticker. That's a Bible truth. We've got to get a hold of that because if we don't, 
we're going to think that there are children. <laughs> and we can do with what we can do with them with what we want. And look, they are ours. But they're the Lord's. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Your, chi your children are an heritage of the Lord. Your children are a blessing from the Lord. Your children are a gift from the Lord. And all that dwell therein, it's God's. And yes, you're going to go through hard times. Yes, things are going to get tough. Yes, things are going to go wrong. And you talk to any of the senior saints, they will tell you, yep, things are going to go. Every day isn't going to be full of ice cream sundaes. And it's not. But amidst all of that, that doesn't mean we throw out the Bible and the truths of the Bible. We've got to get keyed into we're doing this because we love God and we want him to be honored with what we do. Uh, Proverbs. I know I'm not taking you to anything you, you haven't read before and aren't familiar with, but sometimes review is, is good. I know it does help me to review these things. Proverbs 22. Verse number six. Train up. A child. You don't press down a child. You don't, you don't look down at a child. The only time you really should be looking down at somebody is when you're extending a hand to help them up. Okay. We're not looking to squash and squelch and just crush a child's spirit. We're looking to train them up. And if the Lord's in it, that spirit will be there. Uh, in the way, Jesus say unto, the, unto, 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 him, uh, unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, we are to train up our child in the way. And we got to start paying attention to our, our articles, our definite articles. There's only one way. And the exclusivity of the gospel and the exclusivity of what we do offends people. Well, so be it, because Jesus said, I am the way. We are told to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But preacher, I tried that and they departed. <laughs> they cannot leave the truth that you taught them. They can't. We were talking earlier about uh, assisted living in nursing home. And and all that, a lot of our ministry, I started ministering in, in nursing homes and, and, and preaching there and and giving little Bible lessons. I remember this one in New Jersey. There are some interesting folks. <laughs> I'm thinking of some stuff in my mind right now that was happening in those early, early days. And um, what, I, what I found, or at least in my experience, what I found in, in, in the nursing home ministry is that you have one of two situations you have someone that's in their 80s or 90s that have grown up hating god and not wanting anything to do with god and now 
they can't leave this place. And now you're able to bring the gospel to them in their later years so that they can choose Christ before they die. So that's one. But a lot of these older folks are already saved. And they can't go to church. And do you know when you sing the hymns? Some of them don't even have a hymnal or hold it because they can't. Or they'll just slobber all over it. <laughs> but they mouth the words because it's just in their heart. They've been in church their whole life. And it's just a blessing to have somebody bring a little bit of church to them. And, you, and you know, you, you start preaching on John 3.16 or these familiar verses. And they're mouthing and reciting the verse. Why? They're, they're, they're children of God, just like you are. It's been so written in their heart that it just comes out. It's not going to leave your children. It's not going to depart from their hearts. Now, they might want to go and do their thing. But when they're doing their thing, guess, what, guess what's a ringing in their head and their heart? Oh, my, my mama said, this is what the Bible says. My daddy said, this is what the Bible says. My parents took me to church. This is what the preacher said. Oh, my Christian friends, they, it's not going to depart from Our job is to train them up in the nurture. That's the tender care. That's the training we're talking about and admonition. That's teaching through serious warning. It's kind. It's gentle. But it still has a serious uh, tone to it, an admonition. You know what we need to do? We give them a good example. We need to restrain them. We need to correct them. We need to show them how to actively be involved in church life. And I know maybe I split hairs on, the, on these things, and I'm not trying to be difficult, but don't come to church we come to the church house <laughs> we we aren't the church the people aren't the church the church is Christ's body the church is Jesus Christ he's the head of the church it's his body which we are a part of in other words you may think I'm splitting hairs but it's not us that make up something great it's Christ that makes it up and we are part of his body. So, yes, we as the people are part of the body of Christ, but it's Christ's church. And we come to the church house. But by and large, most of our service has to do with actively serving the Lord outside of the four walls of the church house. Does that make sense? We've got to teach our children how to serve the Lord within the church, not teach them to just come to the church house, which is important. They're going to get fed. They're going to learn the word of God. But now they need to be able to minister and be ministered to and actively involved in a local assembly. And when they grow up, that's not going to depart from them. Kids can serve in nursing home ministry. Kids can serve knocking on doors. Kids can serve holding street uh, scripture signs on, on the street, on the square. Kids can serve. The kids served and helped out in the church. When we had our Bible conference, they can serve food. 
They can serve drinks. They can sweep. They can clean. They can sing. They can actively involved. Brother Derek's going to head up this float ministry. Uh, everybody can get involved in that. Train up a child in the way he should go. We've got to show them the ways of the Lord. We've got to show them how to do these things because the church is the pillar and ground of truth. We've got to do it. We've got to train them. Uh, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, the Bible says in verse 17. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Depending on which side of this thing you're on, you will relate to this in different ways. Those that have already raised children, you've already got the t-shirt. You've already got the been there, done that sign, right? Children that go uncorrected, children that go untrained, they just don't give you rest. And it's just like, it's ad nauseum. When is this going to stop? They need to be corrected. They need to be restrained. And we talked about this earlier in the Sunday school lesson. It needs to be done in a way where at the end of it, they don't lose confidence and respect for you as a parent. Meaning we're not provoking them, but we are helping them through the correction. Now, do I get it right all the time? No. Will you get it right all the time? No. That doesn't mean we throw out the Bible. <laughs> it means we draw closer in to the Lord. It means we read it again. We pray about it again. We meditate on it again. We say to our spouse, can you handle it this time? I need a break. And vice versa. But they need to be corrected so that it comes to a rest. We sing the songs and what happens at the end of the song? It naturally, the way it works out, it comes, it rests. And there's closure to it. We've got to be able to bring that closure to their little souls and their little spirits so that it ends well. And there's some peace that is brought about. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. All right, First Timothy, let's move on. This is an important passage of scripture. They all are, but I guess I've been waiting to get to this verse. First Timothy chapter number five. First Timothy chapter number five, verse number eight. We should all wait for the government to provide for our house. <laughs> that would be the message or one of these modern modern uh, versions. No, it says, but if any provide not for his own. Now that provision 
certainly has to do with money. But we're going to talk about the provision happens in many different ways. And fathers, mothers, fathers specifically, it is your job to provide for your house and your family. It's not the government's job. And it's not the church's job. And it's not the preacher's job. It's your job. It's my job. My job and my duty as a father is to provide for my house. And if I'm not doing that, I'm worse than an infidel. If you're not doing that, ditto. <laughs> it's not hard to understand. And especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. There's a lot of broken homes. There's a lot of broken Christian homes. There's a lot of mess that goes on. It always amazed me. I remember talking to someone a while back. Name just come come to my come to my mind. The story came to my mind. I ended up having this conversation, and I said to him, "You know, it's called child support. Why do you have a problem paying for something that would support your child?" That's odd. You're supposed to provide for your own. Now, if you do something stupid and the law says you're to pay this much and it's supposed to go to support your children. And if you say you're a Christian, why do you have a problem with that? We as men are called to provide for and support our own family. Now, we talked about the money. But we need to think through as men, as fathers, what other provisions are needed. There's spiritual needs. There's emotional needs. There's mental needs. Those all have to be accounted for. So that might mean. If dad's always busy doing his hobby. There is going to be somebody that's going to come along that will fill that void and train your child if you don't. If you want to go fishing every weekend, you don't want to take the, the boy, there's going to be somebody that's want to go fishing and he will take your boy. If you want to spend your weekend running about, doing all these hobbies, doing all these things, and you want to tell your wife, look, I'll be back uh, Sunday night, fine. There's going to be somebody else that will come along that isn't a Christian and will, if they don't find your children, your children will find them. Why? Because they're looking for some guidance. They're looking for somebody to come alongside of them and do something with them. Which, by the way, a child that loses a father or a child that loses a mother 
That's a tough thing. You know what a biblical church does? The men of that church, the women of that church, help that family fill that need. And give them the guidance and give them the training and give them the support and give them the care that they so long for. You know what that's going to take? It's going to take time. Where you're going to have to say, well, I guess I can't spend time here. I have to allocate time here without it being burdensome. You know what the idea of children is in today's culture? They're a burden. They're a distraction. Let's put them in daycare. Not because life's tough, just because parents they don't want to deal with the kids. And that's wrong. That motive is wrong. And I understand people have situations where it's no fault of their own. And okay, these things are a necessity. But the motive behind a lot of what's going on nowadays is fueled by your distraction. You're getting in the way of mom's career. You're getting in the way of daddy's dreams. Well, guess what? Daddy's not playing in the NFL. You're not that good. So quit it with the weekend football. Okay? You're not. Look, I've been around some really, really good athletes. And less than 1% will make it. Okay? And we're not part of that percentage. Okay? So, so and, and if we were, if we were, at what cost? At what cost? A million bucks, two million dollar contract. At what, at what cost? You got eighteen years with your kid. Make the best of it. Okay. Then when you're done all that, then go try to you know slam dunk a basketball, and make a million dollars doing that. Or okay, it, it, every year there's a new champion, and it's all vanity. So spend time with your kids. But it says here it's worse than an infidel. So we're denying our faith by our actions and our conduct. We'll jump all over Peter. He denied the Lord with his words. I do not. No, I, I, I don't. Art thou also one of his disciples? I, I am not. He, he's not. We don't have to do it with our words. We do it with our actions by not giving the provision that's needed for our children. And by doing that, that's not a good example. It's not a good training example. Uh, everybody knows, even heathens, even those that, don't, that aren't Christians. Well, you got to be careful how you say that because nowadays maybe it isn't true. But most people know, even if they're not saved, that it's the father's responsibility to, to provide for his family. So that should that should be there. All right, first Peter. First Peter. Second chapter, first Peter chapter number two. First Peter chapter number two. <clears throat> Bible says, wherefore we're laying aside all malice. That's a spirit that delights in someone else's misfortune. That's what malice is. You don't want to have malice in your heart. 
and all guile. That's deceit or treachery or craft, a type of trick playing. That's what guile is. Uh, and hypocrisies. If there's one thing kids can sniff out better than a, a hound dog, it's hypocrisy. They can sniff that thing out. Now, they might not be brave enough or mature enough to put all that in words, but they know when mom and dad or someone they, as an adult, they look up to is saying one thing and acting like another. I'm telling you, if they grow up seeing that, that is a way of wrongfully training children. We'd be best as parents to just own it. When it creeps up in our life, just own it. Just own it because they already sniffed it out. They already know it's there. Um, and envies and all evil, evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Most children long to grow up. I know that when I do stuff with my son or my daughter, they're always two or three steps ahead of wanting to do what I don't really want them to do yet. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're, you're always in this thing of, well, should I allow them to do that? I mean, that is kind of dangerous. I mean, or, 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 or not. They long to grow up. If we would just teach them. If we would just show them. If we would just invest in them. The sincere milk of the world that you may uh, word that you may grow thereby. If so, be have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Just like milk nourishes your physical body, the word nourishes your soul, nourishes you spiritually. And it'd be great if throughout America, a lot of Christians grew up. But what we're talking about this morning is children desire and long to grow up. And the word, it's pure. It's, in other words, no malice, no guile, no hypocrisies, no envies, no evil speakings. Your children, we, we won't be deceived by the word. We might be deceived by people and their words. But the sincere milk of the word, it meets all the basic necessities that are needed. How do we train our children? With the milk of the word. First Corinthians. This isn't anything new for mamas. You know that infants are fed with light food. You can't give them a, a, a T-bone steak at three months. Uh, First Corinthians chapter number three, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? 
milk babes can tolerate, it's good for them. It's the pure sustenance that they need for their life. And it's what they can stomach. When the Bible says not able to bear it, it means they're not ready for it. Why weren't they ready for it? Look at verse number three. For a year are yet carnal. Why, why couldn't they bear it? They had envying. They had strife. They had divisions. You guys are carnal. You're walking as men. They couldn't handle anything more than milk because they were carnal. How was that playing out? I am of Paul, verse 4. I am of Apollos, verse 4. Verse number six, they get to the bottom of it. God gave the increase. Don't matter if you planted or watered. It was God. We are laborers together, verse nine, with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. So you can't leave the milk. That's the basic necessities. But if you want to get to the meat, It, it, it's almost like they they, 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 they they couldn't tolerate the beat because they lost the focus on the necessities. They're just into carnality. Well, that's a basic thing. You're not a Paul. You're not of Apollos. You're, you're of Christ. That's, that's basic. That's milk stuff. If you lose the milk, you lose the foundation, the basic necessities of Christianity. It becomes carnal. It becomes harder for us to tolerate the meat. It, it doesn't sit well with our stomach. Need the pure milk of the word. We get the basics. We get the basic sustenance. Then our the tougher things, which Lord willing, and I, and I think if you're in a Bible teaching church, we're going to be chewing on some meat. We're going to chew on some tough things so that we can grow thereby as as well. Right. Um, some basic ideas on training children, biblical principles. Last thing I'd like to look at tonight. Is there is a warning. To separate, go back to Psalms. We looked at this this morning and I said we go back and look at verse number one. So let's get Psalms one. And first Corinthians. Uh, I think it's 15. First Corinthians 15. Yep, 1 Corinthians 15 and Psalms chapter 1. Psalms 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. God is warning here, you better separate. You better not walk, you better not stand, and you better not sit with any of this nonsense. Because if you do, it will affect you. And these ungodly people, these sinners, these scornful people that you think are your friends, I'm telling you, once they stop talking to you, they will start talking about you. Okay, that's how it goes. You need, and I need, we need to separate from these unholy and ungodly 
sinful alliances. Blessed is the man that walketh not in that counsel. It's not going to be good for any of us. I want to be around Christian people. I'm going to be around Christian friends. I'm telling you, my, my good friend, we, we prayed for him. He went home to be with the Lord. Praise God. He was a Vietnam War vet. has been shot at and shot people. He has been through a, he, his life, I mean, they should have just made a movie out of this guy. <laughs> it's just amazing. Some of you have met him, John Douglas. He's with the Lord right now. When he got out of Vietnam, he became a horrible drunk. Cost him two wives. He had a horrible, horrible stint with, with alcohol. Then Jesus came and took it all away and completely turned his life around. An absolute miracle. And one of the most committed Christians you could find. Now, he had a unique way of evangelism. <laughs> but that's what happens when you come out of the Vietnam War and live. <laughs> and you go through a mess of a life. Could, uh, you, you, we'd trust him with our kids. He'd watch our kids. He, wonderful man. When he would deal with addicts. He had a heart for anybody that was an addict or addicted to any type of drugs, alcohol, any of that. But he had a switch. And I don't know if this was the Marine in him or what. But he had a switch. As soon as they started playing games with him, he was done. <laughs> because he knew where it was going to go. You don't break... Look, you don't break the un, the ungodly and unholy alliances, then we're not going to go anywhere. I can't help you. And if you love Jesus and wanted to live for Jesus, he was your best friend and would stick by your side. And I watched that man do so much for so many people. It was just an, an example Christian. But as soon as they started playing games with him, done. It's just like, how do you do that? He goes, I know the games they play. He knew because he played the games and he knew exactly the warning was to separate from ungodly alliances. Just like Psalm 1, 1 says, it was a biblical principle that he taught and it was a biblical principle that he lived by and it helped a lot of people. That got a hold of it. That got a hold of it. Don't play games with God. If he says separate from these types of alliances. It's for your own good. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. 1533. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications. Corrupt good manners. Young people. Young people. You pay attention to brother Jimmy right now. Pay attention. Look up here. All you young people, look up. Bad friends will prevent you from having good friends. Okay? If you you are known, if you tell me who your top five friends are, I can tell you who you are as a person. And if you have bad friends, 
they will they will stunt your growth and they will stop you from having good friends. Now get good friends. And stop it with, well, I just need to have friends. You don't need to have friends. You need to have God, and God will give you good friends. Trust the Lord to send you friends. You need to get serious about God, not serious about trying to be cool with ungodly friends. They're going to take you down the wrong road further than you want to go, and you're going to get deeper into sin that you thought you would never get into. And God, says be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners and then he goes on to say awake to righteousness and sin not well you can't do that if you got bad friends they're going to want you to sin and the preacher is going to be the bad guy to your friends and the christian sunday school teacher she's going to be the mean lady And the church folks, they're going to be mean. And the old people, they're just going to be old and mean. No, they're not. They love you and they want the best for you. And your your bad friends are wrong and your bad friends are mean. And tell them that the preacher said it, okay? Because uh, it's too too much of this. And it's destroying our young people. Bad friends will train you to do bad things. Now, you young people, look at me again. Look at me again. I want you to get this. I had bad friends when I was a young person. It hurt me. It stunted my growth. It didn't do me any good. I have regrets. Then Jesus came, and I trusted Jesus Christ. And the more I trusted him, the more I found out the Lord's got better friends for me. But you can't go back. Good friends won't cause you regret. Bad friends will cause you regret. They talked me into doing stupid stuff. And as a result, I started talking other people into stupid stuff. You need good friends. You need good friends. You got to separate. You got to separate. Second Corinthians six. And we'll do two more verses and we're done. Second Corinthians six. Second Corinthians six. Let's do that. Be not un. Second uh, Corinthians six verse fourteen. Did I say that? Okay. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Somebody says to you, hey, let's go do this. You ask them, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior? No. Okay, then I'm not going. They say, I want you to come with me to do this. You say to them, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior? They say yes. Then you say to them, then why are you asking me to do this when you know God doesn't want me to do this? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And these clown shows that are put on by some of these so-called, you know, hallmark preachers, 
what they do is they take unrighteousness and they yoke it together and they try to call it right. And it's not right. And it messes up. But yeah, a lot of young people, a lot of young people, all under the guise of Christian fellowship. And it's not Christian. God says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness. And what conquered is Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? I'm a Christian, yet you're going to go worship an idol. All these Christians, they, 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 all these young, young so-called Christians, they want to get all these kids together and go to be, be, you know, these rock concerts and do all these things. And they got drinking there and drugging there and all types of immodest dress and talk and all, all this. Well, they said it was a Christian band. It's not a Christian band. None of the activities that are going on there are Christian. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You were bought with a price. Is God in you? Are you his people? Own that. Own it. And you young people, the best decision you can make is to say, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I know right from wrong. My daddy and mama taught me that stealing's wrong, lying's wrong. I'm sure you've all told a lie. You know, like I have before dinner. Have you had any cookies? No. <laughs> You've lied. Just own it. Say, God, I've lied. Trust Jesus Christ to cover your sin because nothing else will. And, your, and, and bad friends will try to help you cover sin by just getting drunk with worshiping idols of any sort. And you will have God dwelling you and God walking with you. And you will have the best life. <laughs> you will have your best life now. <laughs> you will. You will have your best life now if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But we need to teach our children not to be yoked together with unbelievers and fellowship with unrighteousness and commune with darkness because the other side will try as hard as they can to get them over to their side they are not our friends they're not our friends and people think I'm too hard and I'm too this and I'm too you know you're just too much for people and all that I'm telling you I've seen enough in my life to know they are not our friends they're absolutely 100 percent against you against me against church against christ 
against righteousness, against holiness, and they will do whatever they can do to get all of us to go over to their side. And I'm here to tell you, we're not doing that. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do that. You don't want me to do that. We can just go around. And... I want Christ. I want Christ. He walks, dwells, and that's who, that's who I serve. Last verse. Ephesians 5. Well, Christians can't do anything. We can do a lot of things. It's just you don't like doing them because you're full of the devil. You like going to the devil's playhouse. We don't like going to the devil's playhouse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 11. And this is why we, we say these things the way that we say them. The Bible says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that's what we're doing tonight. And look at verse number nine. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Do you see verse 11? It's unfruitful works in verse 11. And in verse number nine, look at what the fruit of the spirit is. There's an unfruitful way to live and there's an unfruitful then there's unfruitful things to do. And in verse number nine, we're told the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Children, if you want to know if it's good or bad, ask yourself. Is it good? Is, is it acceptable in the Lord? Meaning, is it is it based in righteousness? Is it based in truth? I know I said one more, but this really is one more. Uh, Galatians 5. And then we're done. Turn back to Galatians 5 and verse number 22. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. That's how we be good friends. We don't provoke and all that stuff. We, we, we encourage, uh, all of us encourage each other to be fruitful and to display those fruits of the spirit and tap into them. Rather than get involved in unfruitfulness. We don't teach our children this at a very young age. They're going to have a lot of catch up to do. Young people, I hope you got a blessing out of this. I hope you paid attention. We care about you. We love you. We're, we're thankful that you're here. We want you to grow up having good memories at church, learning about Jesus, and knowing that Jesus Christ is still the answer. And he's the best thing to live for.
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.